Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's very difficult to know specifically what Mr. Putin's going to do on a day-to-day basis. All I can do is tell you what we're seeing happen. And what we're seeing is that they are taking defensive positions in the north. They don't appear to be willing or able to move on Kiev anymore. They're just kind of digging in around the city. And as I said, the Ukrainians are fighting back. Yes, so that's from NBC News this morning. And fitting in with that report, here's somebody named Phillips O'Brien who's one of the respected uh, reporters on the, on the, you know, the battlefield goings-ons here. First battle of Kiev looks to truly be over, which is actually momentous. Whatever happens now, we are talking about a limit, limited wartime and geography-wise, unless we think Russia has the will and resources to, to constrict, train, and arm an entirely new army. And that was around this earlier report that he'd had. Russia has pulled two BTGs. I don't know what that is. Away from Kiev. If true, no assault can or will be attempted on Kiev in the near future. Assumption is that the, these BTGs, somebody on the text line, help me out there. Uh, 415295KFTC. I'm assuming it's, you know, some level of uh, group of uh, people fighting a war. Uh, uh, these BTGs I think will. That's a safe assumption, indeed. Yes. Yeah. These BTGs will need rest and then maybe head to Donbass. The first battle of Kiev is over. Let's hope it's the last. So. Between that NBC report and these tweets and others that I've seen, it looks like Putin has given up on the idea of taking the capital. Well, if I were Vlad Putin, having seen what I've seen, I would be pulling back my troops, uh, refortifying them, uh, relieving the, the battle weary, and then just encamping. So I was menacing Kiev, at least to some extent, while these uh, negotiations go on. Whether you're a mother or whether you're a brother, you're staying alive. Staying alive. The BTGs. Mm, well sung. Mm. <laughs> um, no, but that is, that is, remember at the beginning of this thing, when we were being told that Kiev could fall in a day or a half day or an hour or fell Ray fell yesterday or whatever the various stories were? <laughs> now it looks right. like the Russia, that Putin has had to give up on that plan completely. The idea of coming in, capturing Zelensky, putting in a puppet, president etc etc that looks to be over now that doesn't particularly help the people of Mariupol's I'm looking up at a video on one of the channels right now where that city has just been absolutely leveled like it's the year 1000 uh just just awful but anyway yeah it could be an indication that the worst possibility is not going to come to pass and now we have to look at the second worst possibility which is a huge chunk of Ukraine including uh, some of their critical seaports, the south and the east of the country, might be sawed off, which is utterly unacceptable, too, obviously. Um, but at least it's not the complete you know, extermination of the Ukrainian people or the takeover of the country, the whole country. Next segment, we've got a late-night joke-off, which we haven't done for a while. Uh, obviously, all the late-night comedians took a shot at a Will Smith-Chris Rock joke, and we'll play you some of those. Some of the fallout from yesterday, a little Will Smith's apology, etc., etc. Is this a big deal or not? I took in a lot on that yesterday. Is it pearl clutching or is this a, a major moment in our society? So stay tuned for that. Also in breaking presidential golf news, Donald mm-hmm. Trump, it has been confirmed, Donald Trump did have a hole-in-one over the weekend. Donald Trump had a hole-in-one, so congratulations to him. Great. Uh, <laughs> you don't seem to be thrilled or anything 
It's been 11 years since my last one. I'm a little bitter on the topic. How many have you had in your life? One. One. Okay. Yeah. Trump plays a lot of golf. The more you play helps, I've, right? I've, Obviously. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't play nearly as much golf, but I've watched two other guys make them in between. Uh, and I'm, I'm growing, again, increasingly bitter. So, new poll out. What is the top issue for you in America right now? We got an election coming up in November. There's always an election going on. Seems like uh, it's a Harvard Harris poll, respected organization, and uh, inflation is the runaway winner. Inflation is the issue voters are most concerned about heading into the midterms. 32% of voters in the poll said inflation is the most important issue, followed by. What do you think it's followed by? The economy. Those are separate issues. Okay, so if, mm. if inflation is number one and the economy is number two, obviously the whole pocketbook thing is the dominant uh, topic for voters. Third in line, though, and a topic that gets zero conversation unless you're on Fox or right-wing talk radio, immigration. Number three is wow. immigration and never gets any play whatsoever. In terms of uh, being impacted by inflation, 76% of Americans said they've been impacted by inflation somewhat or a lot. Who are you that has not been impacted by inflation somewhat or a lot? How what You other 24% of people are just dumb. You're too dumb to have noticed because you have been impacted somewhat or a lot, I'm telling you. Or it's one of those families where one person handles the money entirely and the other one has only a dim idea of what's going on. Never puts gas in a car or eats at a restaurant. Apparently. And never, like, never pays for the bill. Uh, because I was at a, one of my favorite restaurants. It's interesting this time around with inflation while they're trying to be more clever. We've talked about shrinkflation. I've complained about the cereal boxes, how they're getting smaller. So they can keep the price the same. The cereal boxes have shrunk down to nothing. There's like four cornflakes in a box. But the price is the same. Um, as opposed to the old way inflation used to work where products <laughs> stayed the same. They just raised the price. And I guess psychologically, they think this is better. I went to one of my, actually, my favorite steak restaurant of all time, which I've been going to for 25 years now. And the price of the steak was the same as it's always been. But the bread was separate and the salad was separate. And it's never been that way before. And when you added Mm -hmm. it all up, it was way more expensive than it used to be. But I guess that's the way they're getting around having to raise the price. Does that fool people? Does Does that make you feel better emotionally or does that make any difference whatsoever? Do you think it well, works? Well, it's uh, it, it it works somewhat. I mean, you just can't. People don't always react react uh, or uh, uh, rationally. No, rather, of course to not. Economic stuff that they're they're pissed off, they're hurt, they're angry. They feel like their favorite steakhouse is sticking it to them, and so they try to you know be subtle about it. How do you like this punchline? Pretty soon that cereal box is just going to say corn flake. Yeah, exactly. No s. Rice uh, rice crispy. Uh, uh. Exactly. That's yes. That's the point of the joke. Kicks will just be kick. (laughs) Kick. Exactly. (laughs) And well, two more numbers on this. Forty-six percent of voters anticipate inflation staying high. I certainly do. Don't you? I anticipate it's going to stay this way for quite some time. Yes or no? Um, yeah, in fact, I think it's going to get significantly worse, according there to that, uh, that study we read yesterday about the inputs to agriculture skyrocketing. Virtually every single cost farmers have is skyrocketing. So half of Americans think inflation is going to stay high. A third fear it will go even higher. So that gets you to three quarters of Americans think it's going to be the same or higher for a, for a, for a while. I definitely think that's true. Ah, yeah. God, what does that yeah, do to your, what, right. what does that do to your money long term? Well, we all know.
We're all going to be doomed. We're Makes gonna be, it go away. We're going to be wearing <laughs> barrels with straps. I don't know how that's cheaper. I don't own a barrel. <laughs> Judy and I have actually priced barrels to craft some wine-themed lawn furniture, and I think you're better off going to Target and buying clothing, honestly. Than wearing a barrel with straps. Exactly. Uh, we'll get to the latest Will Smith, Chris Rock slapping news, and um, we'll do a late-night joke-off next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I find myself wondering if I'll actually laugh during the late night joke off. It seems like such great fodder for humor. I expect it to be pretty good. Of course, the biggest story for all the comedians was the Will Smith, Chris Rock slapping. Yeah, and generally expecting these jokes to be funny is uh, a Charlie Brownian trust in football <laughs> being there when you go to kick it. <laughs> Charlie Brownian. <laughs> His Brownian naivete shocked the audience. Uh, so uh, we will find out. Uh, do you want to get to the Will Smith apology after it, maybe? Uh, sure. Because he did apologize. Yeah, I, I thought it was weak. I thought it was weak. I thought he did the oh. whole, yeah, I apologize for you making me do this because I care so much. But whatever. Mm. Interesting analysis. Perhaps racist. Stay with us. <laughs> um, oh, my God. <laughs> right now, a late night joke off uh, in which we will uh, feature three jokes by late night comedians on the same topic. I, Joe Getty, will grade them for their effectiveness as humor. And the bottom grade getter will be banned from comedy for life. Michael, let's hit it. The 94th Academy Awards were held last night and featured the first live performance of We Don't Talk About Bruno from the Disney musical Encanto, followed by an unbelievable live performance of We Don't Talk About Jada. This was the Hollywood version of your drunk uncle starting a fight, ruining the wedding, and then standing up and giving a long toast to the bride and groom. No one did anything. A whole room full of people. No one lifted a finger. Spider-Man was there. Aquaman was there. Catwoman. All sitting on their hands. No one helped Chris Rock. Will Smith can't take a joke. Chris Rock can take a punch. A steel jaw. Unbelievable. People on social media were so confused about what they just saw. The hashtag, what just happened, immediately trended on Twitter. Even the seat fillers were like, should I fill in for Will Smith? Oh, no, he's coming back. Never mind. Run! Gordon mm, mm. starting out strong there, but weak at the finish. I have a C-plus for uh, Seth Meyers, a solid A for Kimmel. Yeah, Really good. solid. No great inflation here either, teachers. Gordon uh, with a B, but because Gordon is downgraded a full grade for being a foreigner, taking comedy jobs Americans ought to be holding, he gets a C and is banned from comedy for life. So, a uh, quick update before we get to, to, or I get to the pearl clutching aspect of this whole thing. The It did come out yesterday that the Academy huddled and had a meeting on whether or not they should remove Will Smith from the uh, building, and I think you absolutely had to. You had to. What other setting in, in, in the past 200 years of American history would you have not removed the person from the building when they do that? You just say you got to go politely. You got to leave. I'm sorry. That was you got to leave. And I think Will Smith would have. 
Yeah, wow. And then he wins the uh, the award half an hour later. Yeah, which would have been fantastic. He's not here. Why? Because he punched somebody. And you don't get to punch people. Right. Um, right. Some of the reactions. Craig Melvin, who is one of the hosts of the Today Show and is a black guy, said that uh, he hated this. It was awful because of the long-held perception that men of color can't control their rage and anger. I raise biracial children as a black father. This was really, really disappointing. Stephen A. Smith, who's the biggest star and a black guy on ESPN, was said it was straight-up bull S, went on and on and on, including, you cannot do that, especially as a black man in that position to another black man on that stage. Joe has the apology that Will Smith eventually got around to yesterday. Violence in all its forms. I wonder how much of that was his publicist pushing in this direction. Oh, there was a team, no doubt. Violence in all of its forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior at last night's Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at my expense are part of the job, but a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. Smith wrote, I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line and I was wrong. I am embarrassed and my actions are not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. I would also like to apologize to the Academy, the producers of the show, all the attendees, everyone watching around the world. I would like to apologize to the Williams family and my King Richard family. I deeply regret that my behavior is stained what had been an otherwise gorgeous journey for all of us. I am a work in progress. Yeah. Wow, there were, dude. There were reports that his uh, publicity team, they all gathered immediately in a closed room backstage and were huddled and talking quickly. I'm sure they were. Of course, he's a corporation who, with millions, tens of millions of dollars of revenue every year. Yeah. He is the product of a corporation. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I think he, in his apology, should have left out the I reacted because of this. I think that's never a good idea in an apology, but. Whatever. Um, to the, is this a big deal or not? Joe will uh, tell me whether this is pearl clutching or appropriate. Oh, and harshly. Stay tuned. Uh, well, you have to do everything harshly. Oh, yeah. It's the 21st century. So you took, stupid idiot. I took in a lot of commentary on this yesterday and back and forth and different opinion and everything like that. And there has been Yuval Levin. I should have looked up the book that he wrote uh, uh, during the pandemic. Um, he's one of the great conservative thinkers out there and his whole book was about how uh, everybody's standing on the on the standing on these various institutions now in america life in american life as if the institutions are strong enough on their own they will they always been and they will always be and now i can abuse the institutions and he goes through all kinds of different examples from the nfl to you know i don't have to play within the rules of this institution i can stand on this institution and draw attention to me with my particular needs and uh, c- Congress people and senators are doing that, and presidents are doing that. And, and how, yeah. And the, well, the Boy Scouts organization and people in Hollywood and all this different sort of stuff. And I think this fit in with that of just everybody is willing to go outside the norms now. The norms just are completely off the rails. And um, as, 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 uh, as I've heard pointed out, and I absolutely agree with this, Donald Trump violated norms, but he... He didn't elect himself. We we decided as a nation we we're moving toward norm violation. We just we that's what we're for some reason okay with. We we think all our institutions will just be around forever and function on their own. No need to have guardrails of any kind. And the idea that this could have happened even very many years ago at all it just would have been unthinkable for somebody to get out of their seat, go up on stage, and hit somebody. 
But we're just so far off the rails with everything now that there are just no rules. Yeah, quick counter to uh, your brief characterization of Yuval Levin's uh, book, and, and it was very, very brief. Uh, I would suggest that a lot of, vo- a lot of voters thought that the institutions uh, were no longer serving them and were serving uh, other people. And, it, uh, and, and we're not serving the common voter, the common American. In fact, we're abusing them in some ways. Um, so I think that's part of the reason Trump got elected. Uh, the second thing is, and, and I, I mean this, I'm not just, I'm trying not to just come off as knee jerk cynical. I have such contempt for the hypocrisy, lack of wisdom, hubris, egomania of the Hollywood crowd. I have such contempt for that institution, that show, and the rest of it. The fact that one of the egomaniacs got offended by one of the other egomaniacs and decided to slap him down, I'm not even surprised. I'm not even mildly surprised. It's shocking yet unsurprising. But I think everybody would have to admit that we've, we're, we're screaming down a road of norm violations, of none of the old rules matter anymore. Whether or not this particular instance is of any importance, I don't know, but I certainly think it fits in with that. I would agree, absolutely. Look at the crime stats. If you miss an hour of the show, you can grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill by critics. We're going to have a great night uh, tonight, and for you people in Florida, we're going to have a gay night. Gay, 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 Hooray, hooray. And by people in Florida, we mean tiny little children, because that's who the law is aimed at. And you heard there, I don't remember which of the news organizations, I saw so many of them yesterday, who would say, what critics are calling the Don't Say Gay Bill was signed into law. Why do you let critics decide what the name of the law is? Do you do that when right-wing groups put a name on a bill? No, of course not. It's it's You, you don't talk about sexuality and sex for for. Pre-K through third graders. That's what it is. How many people are even aware that that's the case? Now, you can argue then, if you want to have an argument then on whether or not you ought to teach, you know, five-year-olds about homosexuality or that sort of stuff. You can have that argument, but at least let's define the terms because everybody's talking about it like they did on the Oscars and Saturday Night Live, like they're making it a state law that you can't talk about anything sexually related to high school kids. Right. Right, or you can't even mention the fact that there are people who couple with the same sex. It's, it is a combination of the effectiveness of the lefty uh, message crafters and the happy compliance of the media to go with their messaging. They would say, well, that's what people are calling it. So we want our viewers to know which bill we're talking about. It just happens to fit in nicely with lefty propaganda. Yesterday, Governor DeSantis signed it into law. I, by the way, am not a fan of governors making laws about your school. I'm, I, I would rather these decisions are made on a, a local basis because neighborhoods vary, schools vary. But anyway, David Axelrod tweeted out, shamelessly using kids, because DeSantis signed it with kids around uh, when he signed the bill, shamelessly using kids as props as you sign a nakedly controversial bill purportedly designed to protect them. Yes, it is designed to protect them. Again, I'm, 
I'm not a fan of governors making blanket rules, but the the point is to keep little kids from learning about having to learn about sex. Bill Maher said on his show, Lefty Bill Maher, who's like a very uh, openly very sexual person, said, "What are we? What we? We don't need to be talking about sex with kids that age." Especially like alternate to the, the minority sex lives and views and transgenderism and that stuff. We're talking second graders. The only reason that stuff exists in those low grades is to indoctrinate kids, to groom them, as James Lindsay puts it, into thinking absolutely anything goes sexually. Unless your kids are a lot different than mine, because I'm just coming out of raising kids that age. My youngest kid is in fourth grade. Kids aren't tuned into that stuff at that age it's not on their radar at all so there's no need to talk about it yet right right unless you want to indoctrinate them and another uh, aspect of the the don't say gay moniker being so wildly misleading was part of it was based on a very early draft of the bill which has gotten tweaked and fine-tuned to the point that it's pretty responsible uh you know legislation i see your point jack about talk top-down dictates from governors into schools. I'm a big fan of local control. You know that. At the same time, though, you have this forceful, absolutely unabashed, enthusiastic embrace of all this stuff by the uh, lefty teachers' colleges and the teachers' unions and their progressive uh, benefactors in the state houses. And so it's it's just washing across the public schools of America. And I think Ron DeSantis just thought, no, that's not going to happen in Florida. Um, and I don't blame him. Originally, there was a phrase that said it barred classroom discussion of, you know, the various topics. Um, but they said, no, that's too much because the kids got to be allowed if it comes up to discuss it amongst themselves and not get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so it was changed to classroom instruction, which seems like a very reasonable change to the bill. I don't um, want anything about SEX coming up for my kid when they're Agreed. that age. Agreed. Absolutely. It's wildly inappropriate, and it is just a way to sexualize the children, I think. Oh, but, um, but that's not even really the issue, because we could debate that with people who may disagree. But let's define our terms. The terms are are, are not defined correctly, as critics are calling it the don't say gay bill. No, okay, fine. Let, let's talk about what it actually is. All you evening newscasts and cable shows on the Oscars and Saturday Night Live. Not cool. And you know what's really behind this? It's laying the groundwork to stop DeSantis from being a steamroller to the presidency in 24. Sure. Because he's the hot thing right now among Republicans, and they they want to try to damage him fast and early. For what it's worth, a Morning Consult Politico poll asked, do you support the banning of the teaching of sexual orientation and gender identity from kindergarten through third grade? 50% supported banning it, 34% opposed doing so. And I'd imagine that 34%, some of them might be uh, expressing what Jack is, shouldn't be top down from the governor's office. Or from, I should say from the legislature, because the legislature voted this law in. Sure. Yeah, good point. Um, it's a it's a strong well it's a slight majority strong plurality who's against this sort of stuff anyway you would certainly not get that idea from the far left media no you would not no you would not 
No. All, all, all normal people who call this the don't say gay bill are in agreement that this is just a horror if you take it in through the media. Right, right. And, uh, you know, it's I've often said this sort of thing. If somebody is lying about the substance of something, there's a reason for that. Right. They're not just doing it reflexively. They're doing it because they feel like they need to. Because if you were to argue the absolute or the I'm sorry, the actual substance of the bill, people would say that doesn't seem crazy to me. You got you got a six year old and you're teaching them that you might be a little girl. It's okay if you feel like maybe you are a little girl. Some boys think they're girls and they are girls. You're going to teach a six year old that you're going to have the teacher instructing them that that's sick. I do you think Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes? Um, the writers at Saturday Night Live are even aware that this is for little kids. I don't. I'm not sure they're even aware. Uh, that's a good question. I'd I'd be really curious to know. I don't know. When is this all going to? Particularly the um, the the stuff around uh, transgender. When is this going to come to a halt? I was reading something yesterday where uh, one person said, "You know, when this is finally going to end, and this might be right." When one of these kids who's had surgery to go from being a girl to a boy grows up and says, you mutilated me, absolutely in direct contradiction to the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm, and I'm suing you for eight gazillion dollars and wins in a court case, that's when all this will come to an end, at least around the under 18 crowd. Right, right. And now the first part of that, without the gazillion dollar lawsuit, has already happened on a number of occasions. People saying, I made a terrible mistake. I was pushed into this. I was rushed into it. Um, read Abigail Schreier's uh, Irreversible Damage. By the way, it was D-Trans Awareness Day uh, a week or two ago, and, and we missed it. I came across a Twitter th- thread from this person uh, on Twitter. Um, who writes, I began detransitioning in October 2019 by ceasing my testosterone injections and returning to my birth name, which happens to be Sinead. The most common question I get from those new to the discussion is, why did you transition in the first place? Well, and I want to make clear in reading this, just like this Watson person, I don't claim for a second that this is all or even most of, of people with gender dysphoria issues. But this is a voice that absolutely needs to be heard. She writes, like other trans people, I transitioned because I was suffering from gender dysphoria. We're told people with dysphoria are treated with transition, right? But unlike other trans people, transition didn't help me. The second most question, common question is, why did you detransition? I detransitioned detransitioned because I experienced extreme transition regret, realizing that my desire to become a man stemmed from a variety of factors that ultimately led me to want to be someone else. Not my authentic self, but someone and something else entirely. It was an escape. My transition was fueled by self-hatred, not self-acceptance. I didn't want to be Sinead because I hated Sinead. Sinead was a woman, and I wanted no part in that anymore. I became Sean, a man, and I'd feel better, or so I hoped. It's been a long road, but I can confidently say that I am no longer gender dysphoric. I'm finally happy to be me. I wouldn't have gotten to this place without the support of so many other amazing detransitioners whose stories I'll be uh, retweeting. I never thought I'd ever accept myself, but I do, and I've never been happier. To anyone struggling with transition regret, you're absolutely not alone. Recovery is possible. It's what I've been saying for a long time. And again, I'm just nuts enough to understand this. If you're not comfortable in your own skin, 
you're not a happy person. You don't fit in well. You're not 100% sure of who you are. The idea that there's a magical key that will solve all that is incredibly appealing. The idea that, oh my God, I would be happy, adjusted, popular, comfortable in crowds, the life of a party, etc. If I was a dude or if I was a woman is incredibly tempting. And then you have this lobbyist, you know, cheerleader squad that puts you on the conveyor belt and gets you going as fast as you can. And anybody who dare says, hey, let's slow down and think about this a little bit. Let's let's figure out what's actually going on in your mind and your heart. They're they're portrayed as being uh, transphobic or or hateful or or anti-gay or whatever. And, you know, I would just say uh, like this person, you're not happy with you. Let's spend a good long time trying to figure out why that is and maybe how you can be happier before you turn to surgeons and, and cheerleaders. New poll out. If the presidential election were held today and Biden and Trump are running against each other, so stay tuned for that. Also, one of the questions... Biden and Trump running again is not a hypothetical, Jack. It's a threat. <laughs> I, I want more of that commentary when we come out. Also, <laughs> um, interesting question about the Will Smith striking Chris Rock that hasn't been asked enough, I don't think. Oh! <laughs> So stay tuned for that. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was sickened. I was sickened by the standing ovation. I felt like Hollywood is just spineless en masse. And uh, it just, it really felt like, oh, this is a really clear indication that uh, we're not the cool club anymore. Wow. Jim Carrey, the facially comic actor of Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> not his shiniest moment, but go on. Maybe his most famous moment. Hmm? Calling Hollywood spineless. How about a little more of that? The next one. There was some question today about if anyone else had walked from the audience and done that, they would have been escorted out by security or maybe even arrested. The police asked asked Chris if he wanted to file charges. They asked Chris, do you want to file charges? And Chris apparently said, no, he did not. He doesn't want the hassle. I'd I'd have announced this morning that I was suing Will for $200 million because that video is going to be there forever. It's going to be ubiquitous. You know, that insult is... Gonna last a very long time. <laughs> mm. And then he turned around and flatulated out his bottom. Oh, now I pretending don't he was talking. He did. Wow, wow. You know, it, I, I don't. I'm not aghast at the thing. I have such contempt for those people, as I mentioned before. I, I am amazed. The percentage of people on Earth who are indecisive. When something unexpected happens and they just can't ground themselves and think, okay, let's go back to the basics here. What just happened? Well, one man just slugged another man in the face, open-handed, granted, but uh, on stage at an award ceremony. And as you pointed out, you've got to get him out of there. No, he has to to stay in a professional setting. No, he has to leave. It's crazy that they did not decide, well, he's got to go. 
I mean, whether or not he gets to keep his Oscar and all that sort of stuff, you can't know, argue about that, but he's got to go. I mean, that's not even a question. Right. Clearly. Yeah. But it just goes to show you how morality or decorum or what is right and what is wrong is just not even on the radar in Hollywood. It's all about status and how much money somebody can make. Meanwhile, and this is why I despise the Oscars so much now. Meanwhile, they do nothing but lecture us all night long on morality. So here's a good question around this, and then we'll uh, then we got uh, if Trump and Biden ran against each other today, how it would turn out. I've got Don't that you poll. threaten me? Um, serious question for you men: What's up with the slap? Don't you guys usually punch with a fist? Does that indicate that he was showing restraint or that he's a puss? Oh wow! No, no, no! It's uh, no. I got to admit, I can't imagine a scenario where I ever slap a dude. I could see myself not doing anything. I could see myself punching somebody though i never have um i can't imagine slapping someone it's an interesting move no doubt i don't think i would ever do that i'm either mad enough to punch you or i'm not but i'm slapping well see that's the thing and everybody has a different you know threshold of anger and and how they feel when they're really really angry but if i'm angry enough to stride up in front of an audience of dozens um and uh <laughs> In front of all of my peers and my family and TV cameras and the rest of it and strike another human being in the face, I'm too mad to think, maybe I uh, soft pedal it a little bit. I'll open my hand. Yes, that's what I shall do. And whack. I just, once I'm mad enough to slug somebody in the head, it's on. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I know. I've never seen it, man. I've seen a lot of fights because I worked in a bar for a long time and I. Spend a lot of time in bars as a uh, just an uh, observer of mankind with a drink in my hand. I've seen a lot of fights. I've never seen a dude slap another dude ever in my life. It's it's a rarity. So this Harvard Harris poll, I think this is like the third time we've mentioned it today because they asked you know a lot what? Of different... I've seen it on an NBA court. Oh really? Where there's there's a fight. Guys reach out and try to whack each other. It's not always the closed fist of doom. Huh? The closed fist of doom. So we've mentioned this Harvard-Harris poll a couple of times today on uh, people's attitudes about uh, Ukraine and a number of different things. Uh, we'll get to those again later. But on this question, it was, if the presidential election were held right now, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden... Wow, tough choice. Who would you vote for? Trump wins 47-41 over Biden... 12% of voters undecided, which obviously that's enough decided, undecided to swing the election the other direction if they all broke toward Biden. But even with everything that has happened and all and the and the overwhelmingly one-sided coverage of everything that has happened, Trump still wins 47-41 if Biden and Trump run today. You know, I'm glad you threw in the one-sided coverage because that is absolutely a factor. I would point out, though, and Trump fans, you got to forgive me for this, but it's true. Time softens negatives in a way that it doesn't soften positives as much. Mm. So we've got Joe Biden's negatives in our face right now, including, oh, my gosh, I saw a picture. And this is from the UPI. This was not from uh, Breitbart or anything. His cheat sheet for discussing what he meant by, for God's sake, this guy has to not be in power. He had a cheat sheet how he was supposed to explain it. A UPI photographer got a picture. They blew it up. Anyway. 
It's pathetic. That's from, that's from yesterday when Biden yes. was explaining it and, and, and saying, I'm not backing down from anything. I'm not walking anything back. So he had, uh, he had notes to remind him how to handle it. He essentially had a script to read. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's because he can't remember things because he's super old and everybody knows yeah. it. But anyway, uh, so his negatives are in our face right now. Trump's negatives are starting to fade a little bit. If he were to uh, do a performance like he did in the infamous first debate again, for instance, you would see those numbers change. I think, well, I think that's one of the reasons the January 6th committee gets so much attention and they're working so hard to make that front and center is to try to keep the negatives out there. If sure. Trump does run again, because Democrats have seen these polls, too, by the way, if you put Trump up against Kamala Harris, which is hilarious that the Democrats would allow her to be the nominee. Of course, if Biden steps down or keels over and she's president, you, you can't help but make her the nominee. You're kind of stuck. Um, Vice President Harris performs even worse in a hypothetical matchup with Trump. 49 for Trump, 38 for Harris. An 11-point win. That one's not even close. The poll, according to The Hill, pretends trouble for Democrats in their 2024. Yeah, yeah, that's what you it. think? It's good analysis. You could run Kamala Harris against Justin Timberlake or my dog Baxter. Please. She couldn't beat anybody or anything. I think I'd vote for JT over your dog. I just don't think we should have a dog as a commander-in-chief. But I'm willing to be argued out of that point. Armstrong and Getty.